On the Record with Gavin Riley. Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC, a dedicated private business team built around you. It all adds up to the new equation on News Talk. This time next week, May the 6th, uh, sees a festival in Liberty Hall honouring perhaps the most famous Irish book that many of you have never heard of. Uh, the book is called The Ragged Trousered Philanthropists uh, and it's written by an Irishman with three names. Have you ever heard an introduction for a Donald Fallon piece more stereotypical than a book that no one's ever heard of written by a fellow with three names? Um, nonetheless, it did have a defining impact um, on a generation because some insist that the book ended up playing a massive part in the outcome of a British general election. Uh, George Orwell was a big fan of it. He praised the book as one of the most important of its time. Uh, and it's easy to miss, Donald, because Robert Tressel, uh, the the author of the book is actually honoured in a small way just a couple of minutes from where we are right now yeah over over the bookies on Dublin's Wexford Street Paddy Power uh, is this beautiful plaque and it's such a, it's such a, tra- it's a tragedy because it's a gorgeous plaque one of the most uh, unique in the city but you can only really see it from the upper deck of a double decker bus because it's mm. just too high you know uh, it's got a paintbrush it's got a hammer you know we might call them the tools of the trade so yeah. to speak uh, and it's dedicated to a man whose name means so little in this country but in Manchester Liverpool London uh, well, well-known name. Robert Croker changed his name to Robert Noonan and changed his name once more to Robert Tressel, as okay. we'll get into later the, the puff on. The daddy of his generation. Uh, the puff yeah. daddy of his generation. And that's a name that achieved real international renown. A book that is arguably one of the most defining works of the 20th century. It sold millions of copies just not here. And look, to be a literary sensation is one thing. It'd be great to do it in your own lifetime because most unfortunately oh. for our subject today, Robert Tressel was dead and buried uh, in a pauper's grave before this book was ever published. Oh. So how, in the name of God, did someone from Wexford Street just around the corner produce one of the yeah. most celebrated books of the 20th century and now have none of us ever heard of it? Well, it's rather unfortunate that you're the one asking that question because I was hoping you'd have the answer to it. <laughs> uh, m- maybe you will in a second. Um, but let's first of all talk about how he's more famous uh, on the neighbouring island because as we mentioned there in the introduction, uh, the book definitely had a defining impact there. Totally. So you have this festival next week in, in, in Dublin and the keynote speech is uh, Mick Lynch, British oh. uh, trade unionist mm. of Irish blood. Because everyone knows Mick Lynch's name yes, now. They, from, they, from they the watched him strikes, yeah. go through Kay Burley like a, a knife goes through hot butter on a few occasions mm. from picket lines and outside uh, London tube stations. But it kind of makes sense actually that Mick Lynch is the person coming over and talking about this book because it's a defining influence on the British labour movement and it's a book that definitely converted more people politically in Britain mm. than any other uh, in its time or since. I mean, you can write a, a big book like Das Kapital. The problem is if, if, if Joe Bloggs can't read it, its influence yeah. is going to be limited. Mm. The Ragged Trousered Philanthropist was a book that everyone uh, could read. And Eric Blair, who a little bit like our subject today, you know, found literary fame under a different name. He was George Orwell. Uh, yeah. Orwell loved this I didn't this know book. that Orwell was a pseudonym. Yeah, Eric Blair. And he yeah. said, look, this is a book everyone should read. Uh, and Orwell said that he admired its ability to convey without sensationalism the actual detail of manual work and the tiny things almost unimaginable to any comfortably situated person which make life a misery when one's income drops below uh, a certain level. Uh, let's talk about the background then of Robert Croker slash Noonan slash Tressel and, <laughs> and we, we might get then eventually into why he ended up changing his name uh, so much. Um, he was is, is it had a background that was fairly unusual and he ended up not sticking around Ireland for too long. Yeah, it's a, a terrible term of history that they use an illegitimate child I detest that term but he's the son of Samuel Croker former police RIC man turned magistrate Mary Noonan to whom Samuel was not married that was scandalous stuff you know in the the 19th century Mm. born in 1870 so his Dublin beginnings are kind of a mystery he seems to be uncomfortable with the wealth of his father so he takes the name of his mother so instead of being Robert Croker he's he's, he's Robert Robert Noonan Noonan. we don't really know a whole lot about what he does as a young man but we do know 
he pops up in South Africa in the 1890s. Okay. That kind of makes sense, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, that, that a, wasn't an unusual time because there was a bit of a gold rush going on. There was on. a lot going on in yeah. that part of the world. There had been a massive gold rush, so young men were going there in search of their, their, their fame and fortune. There was also this kind of interesting political situation. It was very obvious to everyone that South Africa was heading towards a war, what ultimately became the Boer War, mm. or what the Dublin accent calls the Boer War. Yeah. And he's out there kind of mingling with people like Arthur Griffith, uh, John McBride, he's moving in those kind of circles, but he doesn't take any part in the war uh, that follows. He kind of mm. next pops up in Hastings in England. He's a very interesting guy. He's he's on the move, but there's always question marks around just what he's doing in any one place at any one time. Yeah, and you kind of wonder whether it's rubbing shoulders with the likes of Arthur Griffith and John McBride when he is in South Africa, that then when he goes back to Britain, he gets involved in the various earliest days of, of what ends up becoming what at the time was was a really brand new, somewhat radical idea, which was the Labour Party. Yeah, he's a house painter, he's a decorator, and he's living in a place called Hastings uh, in England, and he throws himself into what's called the Social Democratic Federation, later becomes the Labour Party. Mm. Uh, and that party's founded by Kerr Hardy. I nearly said Kerr Starmer, which mm. is <laughs> not an easy well, funny how these things work around, yeah. Yeah, but really kind of grabbed the hearts of people uh, when it was launched. I mean, Kerr Hardy played an emotional kind of politics. He had this great line, he said, I'm of the unfortunate class who never knew what it was to be a child. And those words, they they really resonate. That's good politics, you know. And in the context of that time uh, and the rise of the Labour Party, Noonan writes this book. And he's like Kerr Hardy. He's trying to win that emotional argument, you know, trying to convince people of their own place in the world. And the name Tressel, it's a great name, Robert Tressel, is from the Tressel table that he uses Ah. in work of the decorator. So he's literally, you know, taking his name from his his profession. And by 1910, he's written this book about the lives of workers, the ragged, trousered, Philanthropists. Which is the title even in itself that's worth kind of reflecting on. So Ragged Trouser being like someone who's who's a bit shabby or hasn't got yeah. much to their name and yet is still a philanthropist because they still feel like they're generous towards the rest of society. Um, so really then when you open up the book and you have a good look through it, and I know you've been doing this recently, uh, it's recent. It's really just a book about the working day. Yeah. It's about just what tradespeople do on the sites and the way that they talk to each other and, and the sort of chat that they have over their tea break. It's literally right down, as you said, to the tea break. I love how he describes the tea break. At 12 o'clock, Bob Crass, the painter's foreman, blew a blast upon a whistle and all hands assembled in the kitchen where Bert the apprentice had already prepared the tea which was ready in the large galvanised iron pail that he placed in the middle of the floor. By the side of the pail were old jam jars, mugs, dilapidated teacups and one or two empty condensed milk tins. Each man on the job paid Bert three pence a week for the tea and sugar. They didn't have milk. And although they had tea at breakfast time as well as dinner, the lad was generally considered to be making a fortune. And it's all set. Sorry, just just to stop there. So whatever, they're drinking their tea out of like whatever assembled jam jar or whatever. The tea comes in a bucket. Yeah. It's a literally bucket of tea. And they're debating the world, you know, and they're talking about their place in the world. And it all happens in a town called Mugsborough, which is brilliant because they're being mugged (laughs) off. And all the names of the characters are great. So you have characters like, uh, you can tell who's a good guy and who's a bad guy. Sweater, Starvum, Slime, Grinder, you know, all these like, names. That's Grinder with an E, in case and anyone's wondering these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the workers themselves, I suppose, they're described as benefactors in ragged trousers who willingly hand over the results of their labour to the rich. Ah, so it's, a, it's in okay. a simplistic language mm. and it's designed to make the reader think, you know, yeah. when they go to work on the building site, whatever they do, oh, are we the ragged trousered philanthropists? Yeah. Um, how did he get on trying to get the book published? Uh, he didn't. He died before it was published. And he, he grew kind of increasingly frustrated at the inability to get it out there. He actually tries to burn the manuscript. And the hero of the story is his daughter, Kathleen, because she kind of, she hides it from him, if you mm. will. And when he dies in 1911, she starts the process of trying to get it published. But it's only in the 40s that it, it blows up in popularity. 
and it sold so many copies in the 40s. They, they called it in Britain the book that won the 1945 election. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was just a massive, massive hit. And that's probably the most important election of British history, to yeah. be honest. I mean, that's the, the post-war Labour government. They created the NHS. Mm. They launched a massive, massive housing drive right after the Second World War. Yeah. Uh, an extraordinary time. But this book is said to be one of the things that, that won that election. Yeah, that was the, the Labour government that, that was responsible for creating the welfare state. And, and if people weren't up on their British history, what you do have to remember is that Winston Churchill has just led the country through the Second yeah. World War. The country has won the war. One might think that the incumbent Prime Minister would be popular enough that if there's a general election happening that he'll probably win it. But no, he doesn't. Ah, he the loses, general public. He loses to Labour, uh, <laughs> partly as a result of the, the outcome of this book. And it's now recognised as a classic of the field and, and over a million copies of it have been shifted worldwide. Yeah, and there's no shortage of people who will praise this book. I mean, Ricky Tomlinson, what a legend. You know, we, mm. we know him as Jim Royal from the Royal Family. I just think he's one of the greatest comedy actors uh, of his age. He describes how this book changed his life. And actually, Ricky says when he was a kid, he was kind of flirting with the National Front and all this yeah. stuff that young people in England were doing. But he says he was in prison during a strike and uh, the yes, governor... Before he was better known as an actor, yeah. Yeah, what a great comedy actor. But the governor came to him in a cell and said, you shouldn't be in jail, read this book. <laughs> he said, he said God, his life. the governor hands and, him the book. Yeah, wow. it's, it's yeah. extraordinary, doesn't it, that a, a book that sold over a million copies in Britain should be so forgotten on the, on the island that, that produced its author. But mm. look, I mean, Tressel, he was 40 years of age when he died, uh, a somewhat obscure figure, but at least he's remembered in Wexford Street over at yeah. Paddy Powers. Uh, let's keep the, the theme going, by the way, because we finished last week with a bit of a plug, and as it happens next week, this festival in Liberty Hall, you've got a small role in this. Yeah, it's on the 6th of May in Liberty Hall. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I think it's yeah, it's really interesting that most of the speakers at it are coming over from Britain, including mm. including Mick Lynch. So maybe it's a choi- a chance for people at home to to discover this book. Yeah, go go look it up. The details are all, all uh, online, I'm sure, for that festival next Saturday, May the 6th uh, in Liberty Hall. The only Hall. person not afraid to ask Mick Lynch a few questions. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> Kay Burley's bridges have been burned. Uh, Donald Fallon is the author of Three Castles Burning, uh, History of Dublin and Twelve Streets, which is the Easton's Book of the Year 2022. And he's the presenter of a podcast of the same name, which is all about the history of the capital city, which you'll find anywhere you get your audio online. On the Record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC, a dedicated private business team built around you. It all adds up to the new equation on News Talk.